Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Metabolism and Menopause podcast. My name is Stephanie, and I am your host and CEO of Vitality OET. We are a women's health, nutrition, and fitness company that focuses predominantly on women's hormones, particularly as they start going through perimenopause and onwards. We know that so many women struggle in this time in their life. They're dealing with hot flashes and night sweats, irritability, brain fog, and of course, weight gain around the middle that seems to have come out of absolutely nowhere despite you not changing anything. So you go back to your tried and true methods of cutting calories, cutting carbs, doing a ton of exercise, yet nothing is working or you actually end up feeling worse. But we know now that your body is inherently different than what it was prior to these hormonal changes. So here at Vitality, our mission is to teach women about how their bodies change during this time in their life so that you can finally reach those health and fitness goals, feel in control and at home in your body again, live a life full of vitality and really understand how to take care of this new body of yours. So today, first of all, I'm going to preface this by saying I'm sick. I was in Florida. I was speaking at a conference. I had part of my team there. It was amazing. Prior to that, I went to another conference in Edmonton and spent time with Coach Cariana. So it was a lot of travel in Florida. For those of you who are Canadian and understand Celsius, it was like plus 29. It was beautiful. And then I got home to Regina, Saskatchewan, where it was minus nine. And just two days ago, it was minus 22. So you can imagine that I got sick, not to mention I was go, 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 all that stuff. And then that change in weather really did what number on me. Plus, Cariana's partner was sick when I went to Edmonton to visit them. Taylor had a wonderful man cold before I left for Florida, and I was bound to get it. So that being said, if you hear a bunch of sniffling, that is why I am on the mend, but I needed to do this for you guys. So now onto the real topic for today, which is pre and post workout nutrition for perimenopause and menopause. Um, this is a topic that just does not get enough attention in my uh, in my opinion, and it can make such a huge difference. This is a very common mistake that we see in women during perimenopause and menopause as to why they're struggling. They're not seeing results in the gym, and they're seeing more hormonal issues, low energy. They're not sleeping well. Muscle growth isn't happening. They feel like they might be getting smaller, but they're not necessarily getting toned. So we're going to talk all about those things today. So As we navigate this phase of our life, our nutrition and the way we work out and the nutrition around working out needs to change. What we were doing before is not going to work like it was prior to these changes that we experienced. We know that there's a ton of changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause, like I mentioned in the intro. But even if you're someone who is like a seasoned fitness enthusiast or you're someone who's just starting to embrace being more active, All the things that we talk about today are going to be very relevant to you and can start being applied today. So there are changes that you can start doing today. So first of all, let's talk a little bit briefly about tailoring nutrition in general for perimenopause and menopause and why that's important. Um, Nutrition matters. Like it really, really does. And we don't emphasize it enough or we end up taking extremes, which you don't need to. But the life phases that we start going through during perimenopause and menopause come with very unique challenges. Um, There's also a ton of great opportunities as well. And nutrition choices can make a huge difference in all of those aspects. And it totally depends on how we navigate them. So 
the first thing we need to be aware of are the metabolic changes that occur during perimenopause and menopause. I'm going to do a whole metabolism type podcast in the future. But what I mean by this is like you probably hear all the time, oh, as you get older, your metabolism slows down. Sure, but it's not because of like an age. That's not why metabolism slows down. And metabolism is a number of calories that your body naturally likes to burn. So as we get older, typically we see our body isn't as great at burning calories, but it's not just because you're older. And in perimenopause and menopause, there's different things that are going to contribute to this. So we're going to see that our cortisol levels go up. Of course, I'm going to talk about this, you guys, your stress levels. But as our cortisol levels go up and our stress hormones go up, we are going to see that we have more hormonal imbalances. So we're already dealing with estrogen and progesterone starting to fluctuate. We might see changes in testosterone and androgens, DHEA, a whole bunch of different things that you've probably heard thrown about in the health and fitness field or even in the doctor's office. But what this all contributes to is an inability to be able to build and maintain muscle mass. And muscle burns a ton of calories at rest. So we want to preserve as much as we can. Plus, that's how we look toned and fit. If you lose fat mass, but there's not a lot of muscle underneath, you're not going to look as toned or as fit as you could if you had more muscle. Not to mention muscle also helps us with our blood sugar control, which is very important as well. Um, because we know that when estrogen goes down, we have a harder time regulating our blood sugar. So we start having more energy crashes and we start having more sugar cravings. This is due to estrogen and a lack of muscle mass. Um, when estrogen goes down, we have a harder time building and maintaining muscle mass. So the way that we eat and the way that we exercise really has to be focused on how can we improve our metabolism? How can we build and maintain as much muscle mass as possible? Um, because again, we're going to see that women typically do a lot of cardio, doing lots of the HIIT classes, very short rest periods, lifting light weights a bunch of times, um, cutting their calories, cutting their carbs. They're not sleeping very well. Plus the estrogen is going down and all those things signal to our body to break down muscle for energy so of course, you're going to lose muscle mass and that's going to make it so that your body burns less calories because your body burns more calories at rest with the more muscle that you have. So we want to really protect that as good as possible. But then also we typically see that thyroid function starts to slow down during perimenopause and menopause. And our thyroid is really the thermostat of our body that determines how many calories our body burns. So if our thyroid function is high and doing well, our body burns a lot of calories. If our thyroid function is low and that thermostat starts to turn down, which happens when we eat low carb, when we eat low calorie, when our hormone levels start to go down, when cortisol levels start to come up, and then our body just really sucks at burning calories. So that's why your metabolism starts to slow down. It's not because of an age. It's because we're not doing things that are conducive to really improving our hormone profile and building and maintaining muscle mass. So then we also have hormonal fluctuations that we need to be aware of because um, they can lead to a ton of changes in body composition. And some of them aren't like, oh, this goes down, fat mass increases. It's a cascading effect. Um, but there can be a predisposition to really hold on to fat when we start seeing changes in hormones and our nutrition choices can make that worse or make that better. Um, and that can really affect our body composition as well. So for example, if we have really low estrogen or we have estrogen dominance, if we have really low progesterone, if we have low thyroid function, if we have low testosterone, if our androgens are really high, so very like PCOS type like, um, if our cortisol isn't where it's supposed to be, if it's too high or if it's too low, if our leptin and ghrelin aren't in the right areas, it changes our appetite. And all of these things 
do predispose us to go from a fat burning mode to a fat storing mode. So really understanding how these hormones all play into account really matter. So this is why, again, eating the right way and exercising the right way is going to make such a difference. It doesn't have to be super complicated. I really try really hard to simplify this as best as I can for you guys. And I'm going to do a whole podcast on various hormones and how they affect our ability to burn and store fat. So make sure that you subscribe and follow this podcast so you don't miss out on that one because I think that one's going to be super beneficial for you guys. Um, But we're going to talk about pre and post-workout nutrition specifically for these things today. Not to mention as well, like we have our energy levels, right? If we have a really low energy levels, we are going to struggle to want to be active. We're not going to be able to push in our workouts. We're not going to have the energy to be present. We're typically going to have more brain fog, irritability, be more moody. And if we're really tired, we end up reaching for those sugary snacks. Yesterday was Halloween when I'm recording this. We end up reaching for that bowl of Halloween candy and your hormones can play a huge role into that as well. Um, Not to mention then that's going to affect your blood sugar, leading to fat storage, crashes and cravings, making the cycle worse and worse and worse. So we also have that issue with blood sugar already when estrogen goes down. So you can see how all of these things are really going to affect your ability to be successful in your health and fitness journey. So now let's really hone in on pre-workout nutrition how to really power your performance for success. So this doesn't mean you have to be like a crazy Olympic lifter. This applies to anyone who is working out in perimenopause and menopause. It's really important to understand this aspect. So I want you guys to really pay attention to this. We do have a guide with examples of pre and post-workout snacks and meals based on when you're eating, like how soon and before and after your uh, workouts. So if you want that You can just email me or honestly, the best place would be to message me on Instagram or Facebook um, and I can send that over to you as well. So before you hit the gym or you start going out for whatever your workout looks like, it's really, really important to understand why pre-workout nutrition matters so much. It's, It's really the key to getting the most out of your workout because it sucks feeling like you're putting in all this work and you are working so, so hard, but you're not seeing results. And pre-workout nutrition plays a huge role in this. So skipping that pre-workout meal or snack might not seem like that big of a deal. You might think that it saves you time, but it can actually be one of the big significant roadblocks for you being able to achieve your success and the fitness goals or physique goals that you are really working towards. And it can actually even disrupt your hormones, which is not good. We don't want that. We already know you're dealing with hormonal issues during perimenopause and menopause. We don't want to make that any more worse. So when you exercise without fueling your body beforehand, you're basically asking it to perform on an empty tank. This is going to lead to your workout not being so great. You're going to have reduced energy levels, even though you're like, I feel like I have good energy levels. Wouldn't you rather maximize that by doing something as simple as having a snack to really be able to get the maximal results from the effort that you're putting in? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Um, so it can even actually lead to more muscle breakdown than necessary because when we're going through perimenopause and menopause and estrogen goes down, we have a harder time accessing energy stores. So it takes much longer for us to readily be able to get that energy to produce the output that we want. So when we're not getting that, our body is very quick to go, oh, we can just break down muscle for energy. And then that's how you're fueling your workout. You're breaking down your muscle. And yes, you're going to get micro tears in your muscle when you're working out, 
But do you really want to see more muscle loss than necessary? Because that's so hard to put on, especially once our estrogen levels go down. Uh, Probably not. So this is why we need to make sure that we are having a pre-workout snack before you're working out. Okay. Not to mention that it can also like make some people shaky if they're not eating beforehand problems like blood sugar control there. Because again, we have a hard time accessing energy stores. So we can actually see a significant drop in our blood sugars, um, which can like, again, cause a whole cascading issues there as well. So to really maximize your performance and really safeguard your hormone health and get the most out of those workouts, make sure you're having a pre-workout snack. That way your body can perform at its best and you're really being able to protect your hormones and again, get the most out of that workout, which is what we all want. We're not working out to kind of get results. Like we want to get results. So sorry, I'm so sniffly, you guys. (coughs) This cold is kicking my butt. Okay, so now let's talk about like what happens when you eat prior to your workout. You're gonna have better energy. Carbs are super crucial here. We're gonna talk a bit more about that, but carbs are gonna be broken down into glucose, which is stored in your muscles and your liver as glycogen. When you work out, your body is unable to tap into those glycogen stores, provide you with a steady source of energy, but because our estrogen levels are lower, we have a harder time accessing that. So this is why making sure that we have carbs prior to working out is so important. Yes, carbs. You guys know how much I love carbs, why they're so important. We did a whole podcast on this. Go back and listen to it. The next one is muscle support. Protein consumption before exercise helps with preventing as much muscle breakdown. It also helps provide amino acids, which are the building blocks for muscle repair and growth. So that's, again, very important to include. And then again, just improving that performance, you're going to be able to push through workouts and get the most out of that workout if you tool, um, fuel yourself before, which is then going to help you look toned, help you look fit, have better performance in the gym, all the things that we are working out for. So when should I work out or when should I eat prior to my workout stuff? That's always a question that I get. So things, the timing can impact things a lot, and it's going to depend on how soon prior, how how quickly prior to working out you eat. Um, that's going to dictate what kind of stuff that you should be having, right? Because you don't want to work out on like a super full stomach because that's not going to feel very great. So eating a balanced pre-workout meal or snack one to three hours before exercising is great, and it gives your body enough time to digest and absorb those nutrients, have sugar in your bloodstream, so it's readily accessible for you to be able to really get the most out of your workouts. So let's really dig into that one to three hours before. So we want to make sure we're addressing digestion time and blood sugar stability, so how soon before you're working out is going to dictate what you're eating to really help you hone in on digestion and blood sugar stability because we don't want to have you crash having crashes or cravings. We don't want you to feel like your tummy's really full because um, that's not fun to work out there. So let's break it down. If you are eating two to four hours before you're working out, aim for something that's more balanced. Um, so a starchy carb like some potatoes or rice, um, and then make sure you're getting some protein in there as well and maybe a little bit of fat. So this can be, for example, like chicken and rice. You can have um, maybe some hummus in there. You can have meat and potatoes. You can have pasta and a protein source, like a nice full-bodied meal. One to two hours before, you want to have something more moderate in size that, again, still has carbs and still has protein. So this could be like tuna and crackers or a sandwich that has a lot of protein in it. So not just one slice of deli meat, you guys. What is with people doing sandwiches that way? Stack it in there. Get lots of protein in there. 
Then one hour before, and this is something I recommend for everyone to do, just do a super quick digesting carb and protein. Keep it small. It'll pass through your digestive system quickly so you can access those sugars more readily. So this can be some fruit and yogurt. This could be protein shake or part of a protein bar. Um, You could have some rice cakes and maybe some peanut butter, or you could do a turkey pepperoni stick with some crackers, whatever that may be. Something smaller, nothing super heavy. Honestly, my go-to is always fruit or like rice cakes and some peanut butter, doing a pepperoni stick with it, whatever that might be. Um, That's my go-to. You just want something small, quickly digestible. It's not going to sit in your stomach forever. But Steph, what if I train super early in the morning? There are some tips to help those early risers get a solid workout session without feeling gross. Um, Again, you might not feel hungry in the morning. That's because you're running on that stress hormone. Cortisol is really high in the morning. Exercise is going to increase that even more. So we want to make sure that we're eating pre-workout to really help with that. And again, be able to help us access those energy stores that we have such a hard time accessing during perimenopause and menopause when those estrogen levels go down. So one, just a light pre-workout snack. If you can't space out your eating due to working out really early in the morning, aim for just a light, super easy digestible pre-workout snack. Again, super small. It could be half a banana with a little bit of yogurt, um, a handful of berries. Like there are tons of options for just quick, quick pieces. Honestly, fruit is my go-to, especially for someone who works out in the morning. Hydration, making sure that you're hydrating in the morning, drink a glass of water once you wake up or at least part of a glass of water. Um, You can even consider putting in like electrolytes in it to help you as well to get through that workout. But again, that doesn't replace the snack. Pre-packing your snack can be great too or pre-planning it. Um, Have that out the night before so it's super easy, ready to go, eliminates any time for you to have to think about what you're going to have or digging around for something. If you pre-plan it, it's one less thing you have to think about in the morning, setting you up for success and then you're not wasting time because we all know if you're waking up early in the morning to get your workout down, you are probably a very busy person. So let's not waste any time and pre-plan that. Choosing portable options if you're going to go somewhere, if you're not working out at home. Um, So choose really easy, portable, easy to eat options. So this could be like a blended protein powder and a shake, for example, can be super easy. Um, When we're looking at like carbs to protein pre-workout, typically you want like a two to one or three to one ratio for looking at things like that. But you need to make sure that you're having that carbohydrate in there. You can't have just protein. You can't have just carbs. You should have both. If you are doing a protein shake, again, you want to look for a protein powder that has that two to one ratio of carbs to protein. Um, Again, that just really helps provide enough energy and also muscle support. If you're waking up early in the morning and you're like working out quite quickly, you want to limit your fiber and fat. Because if you are having that really early in the morning and then working out, it does take longer to digest, which can lead to some discomfort. Um, So again, simple carbs and protein are going to be your friend here quick digesting carbs. This can be white rice. This can be bread. This can be rice cakes. This can be bananas, fruit, berries, anything like that is a great option. Um, you want to try and have that snack 15 to 30 minutes before your workout in the morning. That way, again, you're not going to be uncomfortable with having a bunch of food in your belly because that is never a good time. And then again, making sure you have a post-workout breakfast. So we're going to jump into post-workout nutrition now. After your workout, prioritizing a balanced breakfast to replenish your energy stores or a meal if you're doing this later 
It really helps replenish your energy stores, promote muscle recovery, and bring those cortisol levels down because cortisol is increased during exercise. And if we don't eat afterwards, they just stay elevated. Having carbohydrates helps bring those cortisol levels down. So it's easier to continue out throughout the day without your hormones being affected, without having energy crashes and cravings, um, and really set you up for success in the long run. So importance of post-workout nutrition. It is so, 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 so important. This is a big mistake that I see people do. And this is something I used to do in university because working out increases cortisol. And then I wasn't hungry. So I was like, perfect. If I'm hungry, I'll go work out. Then my appetite won't be as big. I won't eat as much. And then I will therefore lose fat. You know what else happens? It destroys your hormone. Say goodbye to progesterone. Still dealing with complications of that between all the stress, all the dieting I'd done in the past, the crazy workouts I used to do, adding some hormonal birth control. What a lovely, lovely tornado disaster this is. Um, so still seeing the effects of that. Um, so you can say goodbye to progesterone. Your appetite goes down. Muscle loss is going to be much higher. You're not going to have as much energy. You're going to be more irritable, moody. It's going to affect your cycle if you're still having one. Sleep isn't going to be as great. There are going to be so many negative effects if you aren't eating post-workout, especially if you are someone that's dealing with hormonal issues, is already tired, is already experiencing hormonal symptoms. This is a big mistake. So number one, muscle recovery and growth. Exercise, particularly resistance training, is going to create those micro tears in your muscle, which is good because then our body comes, rebuilds it stronger. This is how we see adaptation, okay? This is how we see muscle growth. But that only happens if you're getting adequate recovery in between sessions and you're eating post-workout and getting enough food in general, getting enough protein, getting enough carb. Post-workout nutrition provides your body with the necessary nutrients to help repair and rebuild these muscles so that you can get toned. Okay. The next one is that it replenishes your energy stores. So during exercise, your body is going to use up those energy stores, right? We have a hard time accessing them, but our body will eventually get there. The primary source glycogen comes from carbohydrates and consuming carbs after your workout helps replenish these stores. It helps put glycogen into your muscle cells. That way you have enough energy for your next session. This is very, 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 very crucial to maintain stable blood sugar levels. When your blood sugar levels drop too low after a workout due to depleted glycogen stores, it can lead to you feeling fatigued, dizzy, irritable, even queasy, like you can might feel kind of nauseous. Um, so this is really important. Plus, if you go back to our insulin resistance podcast, I talk about how after exercise, we already know that like, Okay, hold on. Let me, let me rewind this back a bit. When estrogen goes down, we have a harder time regulating our blood sugars. We become more insulin resistant. So we need more insulin to knock on the doors of our cells to open the door to allow those sugars to come in. But after exercise, we activate the glute fours. And what these are, are kind of like doggy doors. So now we don't need insulin to go knock on the doors. These doggy doors unlock and then sugar can go into our muscle cells without needing insulin. So it helps us replenish our stores, helps us consume carbohydrates without seeing a rise in insulin, which is good for obviously insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, um, pre-diabetes. If you're someone that's dealing with these things, really, really, really great way to get your carbohydrates in to get those glycogen stores replenished 
without the use of insulin. So make sure that you are having carbs post-workout to help replenish those energy stores without having to use insulin. That way you're not seeing a rise in insulin resistance. Next reason that you should eat post-workout is for your hormonal balance. Proper post-workout nutrition can really help regulate your hormones, which is incredibly important for women going through perimenopause and onwards. It can help support hormonal balance and alleviate some of the crazy symptoms that we start feeling during this time in our life. So by nourishing the body effectively after exercise, we support the production and the regulation of our key hormones. So cortisol, for example, which is then going to influence sex hormone production, like estrogen and progesterone. So like I said, for me, I wasn't eating post-workout. So my cortisol was sky high. I was a super stressed student. I was dealing with my mom going through cancer treatment. I was working full time. I was taking six university classes. It was absolutely insane. Plus then I wasn't working Uh, plus I wasn't eating post-workout. So my cortisol would just run rampant. This completely tanked my progesterone because as long as cortisol is high, progesterone cannot be produced because our body steals the precursor to build progesterone and gives it to cortisol, which is not good. We don't want that at all in any way, shape or form. So this is why making sure you're eating post-workout is so incredibly important for hormones because also if progesterone is low, You're like, okay, what does that mean? Hot flashes, night sweats, irritability, brain fog, no libido, bloating, fluid retention. You start feeling really puffy. And typically when we see a really sudden increase in weight gain in women, it's because progesterone has tanked very quickly. So if you're already going into life in a stressed state and cortisol is very high, you're not eating post-workout, and then all of a sudden you hit this point in your life where progesterone production naturally slows down, it tanks very quickly. And this is where we see sudden excessive weight gain. So we need to make sure we're eating post-workout because we don't want to be there. So we want to be as preventative as possible. Um, And again, that's just naturally going to help with those crazy symptoms we start experiencing because as long as cortisol is high, it's going to affect our sex hormone production. You're going to see tons of fluctuations. You're going to experience tons of hormonal symptoms. And we don't want that because it is not a good time. Eating post-workout is also going to help with muscle soreness. Certain nutrients like antioxidants and anti-inflammatory compounds found in post-workout foods can actually really help reduce muscle soreness and inflammation, allowing you to recover more comfortably. So having some fruit afterwards, making sure it's a balanced meal. I'll give you some examples of foods that you can eat post-workout. That's going to help a lot. And again, post-workout meals bring cortisol down. We know all the negative side effects from not keeping cortisol levels in control. Make sure you're eating post-workout. Otherwise, cortisol is just going to keep going and going and going and going until all of a sudden your body stops producing cortisol, which leads to a whole other swack of issues, which does take longer to recover from and regulate than if your cortisol levels are high. So, Now you can see that this post-workout window is really important. Um, You're going to see that nutrient absorption is heightened. Insulin sensitivity is increased. Muscle cells are more receptive to accepting all the nutrients that you are consuming. So then our body's going to favor putting those nutrients and calories into our muscle cells and our liver as opposed to storing it into fat cells. So great way to eat and make sure that those all that energy is being stored into useful energy as opposed to being stored into our fat cells. So what to include in that post-workout meal? 
It can be a combination. So within an hour of um, your workout, if you're not able to have a nice, big, balanced meal, you need to at least have a snack. Um, So that can be a quick digesting carb and a protein. Keep it a little bit smaller. So this can be, again, fruit and yogurt, um, protein shakes, rice cakes, turkey pepperoni, cheese and crackers, things like that. Um, Again, make sure that you are getting ideally something in your stomach. So like a post-workout shake is great, but if you can get a little bit of sustenance with that as well, that's ideal. Um, But if you can, having a balanced meal post-workout is awesome. So having starchy carbs in there, that way you're getting all the nutrients that you need, plus obviously protein, very important. So you're really looking for a starchy carb and protein to have. That can be any mix match of food. Obviously whole foods are better, because something like pizza would definitely like fall into this category, right? But we want to make sure that if we can, we're aiming for whole foods. So there are a ton. And again, like I said, we do have a guy that has like a bunch of examples for you guys. So if you want that, make sure you message me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm happy to send that over. So there are some common challenges and misconceptions when it comes to um, workout nutrition. So I want to address these two big ones for, for everyone. The first one is skipping post-workout meals. A lot of people don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, and people think that it like wastes their time or they just don't have time. And they think that they're saving their calories because naturally, usually after a workout, people typically aren't that hungry. But again, that's going to hinder recovery and muscle growth. So you're not going to see, again, as much of a benefit as you could be, which really sucks. You don't want to work out and then not see changes. Um, so it's really important to make sure you're prioritizing that because, again, it's going to be super negative with your hormones and we don't want that for you. And the second one is really overemphasizing um post workout protein. So a lot of people like really push protein after they work out, which is good. You do need to have protein, but a lot of people skip out on the carbs. But again, carbs are what's going to replenish those energy stores without needing to use insulin, and those carbs are going to get stored in muscle and in your liver as opposed to fat cells. So making sure that you're getting those carbs post-workout, not just focusing on protein. Yes, protein's important, but we need those carbs in there too. Oh my goodness, you guys. I'm trying so hard not to sniffle, so I'm sorry if this sounds awful. Okay, so... Next one, fasting before workouts. I already talked about how it's really, really important to make sure you're fueling properly, but I just want to really help you outline specifically why we don't recommend doing fasted workouts for women in perimenopause and menopause, because it is really important. One, it's going to increase those cortisol levels, which are going to cause a lot of problems. We did a whole podcast on cortisol. You can go back and listen to it there because I could talk about this all day. But in summary, it's going to lead to a lot of issues with our hormonal fluctuations, our ability to maintain and build muscle mass, our ability to have energy. It's going to result in crashes and cravings later on, which is going to cause you to overeat anyways. It's going to affect our sleep. There's so many things that are going to happen if we aren't keeping cortisol in check. So if you can prevent that just by having a post-workout snack, why wouldn't you? Um, And pre-workout snack, obviously. Um, Fasting. So fasting and thyroid in particular, prolonged fasting and severe caloric restriction negatively affects thyroid function. The thyroid plays a very critical role in our metabolism. Again, it's that thermostat that determines how many calories we burn um, at rest. So if that thermostat turns down, our body really sucks at burning calories. The better our thyroid function, the better our body is at burning calories. Obviously, it's going to be a lot easier to achieve your goals if your body is very good at burning calories. So fasting is actually going to 
cause thyroid function to decrease. And this can actually be seen in as little as four days. So make sure that you are not fasting pre-workout and just fasting in general if you have thyroid issues is not, not the best idea for most people. I'm always going to encourage people to eat before telling them they can't. The next one is muscle workout, like muscle breakdown. Again, like we mentioned, if you aren't eating pre-workout, if you're going into a workout in a fasted state on an empty stomach, your body is going to turn to muscle tissue for energy. So if you're not eating carbs or eating a snack before your workout, your body just eats you and it doesn't eat fat, it eats muscle. And that is something that you don't want. So again, perimenopause and menopause, really hard to build and maintain muscle mass. Fasting is going to cause your body to want to break down muscle mass more than necessary. So don't do it. Um, energy depletion. Fasting before exercise means that your body is not going to have that energy to readily access to push through the workouts. Again, estrogen goes down, hard time accessing energy stores. So this is why fasting before a workout typically is not great for women in perimenopause and menopause. Disrupted hunger cues. Fasting really messes with this. Um, if you're not adequately nourished before your workouts, you might end up overcompensating later in the day because when cortisol goes up, typically a lot of people will either be really starving or have no appetite. For me, it was no appetite. I would not eat. Um, but then that leads to like when your body finally calms down and cortisol comes down, you want to eat everything that you can get your hands on in your pantry while you're cooking, you're munching on chocolate chips, um, you're munching on like some candies, some chocolate, some chips, whatever it might be, chips and salsa. Um, and this isn't like you not having motivation or control. It's cortisol plays such a huge role here. So doing something as simple as eating before your workouts can actually really help with that kind of stuff later in the day. And then, of course, feeling dizzy and lightheaded. Um, this is something I used to tisk tisk my clients when I used to personal train in person. Um, if they were fasting, it was funny. Everyone always knew that I would have juice boxes and granola bars on hand because the amount of women, particularly as January comes around, would start doing these crazy workout routines and they would be fasting before they're coming into workout. And the amount of women that I had to like get them to sit down because they'd start feeling nauseous or dizzy or lightheaded or shaky. And it's because they didn't eat before. So make sure that you're eating before so that you feel good. Um, so again, when it comes to fasting before workouts, especially during perimenopause and menopause, there's a ton of drawbacks. Um, thyroid and cortisol in particular, maintaining our muscle mass. These are all things that are really hard once to deal with once estrogen starts going down. So let's just avoid all these complications by just eating pre and post-workout. You know, super, super easy. Um, last thing that I want to talk about here is just post-workout protein shakes. They're super popular, can be really helpful. Um, they can be quite effective if a lot of people are very busy or they have a hard time getting their protein in. So I just want to cover this quickly for you guys. Whey protein, great for recovery. It's got quick absorption. So it's an ideal choice for post-workout recovery, um, cause it can get to your, into your body a lot quicker. Um, they're high in branch-chained amino acids, so BCAAs, um, particularly leucine, which is really, really important and plays a huge role in stimulating protein, uh, muscle protein synthesis, which means that it helps with the repairing and building of muscle, which again is important post-workout. Um, and immune support. Some whey protein products contain immunoglobulins and lactoferrin, which can support immune function. And it's a vital consideration for overall health, especially during perimenopause and menopause. Then we have casein protein. 
It's great for recovery. It's a slow release protein. So it's digested more slowly when you compare it to whey. So the slow release of amino acids is more of a steady supply to your muscles for over a few hours, making it more ideal for maybe overnight recovery or when you need sustained sustained support. So if you know that you're going to be quite busy in the day and things like that, casein can be something that can be um, utilized potentially more than whey, but again, try it and see how you feel. It's great for muscle protection. So casein can help protect against muscle breakdown, which can be particularly relevant for women during perimenopause and menopause because we know our body wants to break down muscle for energy. So casein can actually really help with this. It's also a really great bedtime protein option as well, just because it is a slower digesting one, which does help stabilize your blood sugars throughout the night. That way you're not waking up from a blood sugar drop and a cortisol spike. And then we have our plant-based proteins. So this can be like pea, rice, hemp, things like that. Um, They're great for people who are vegetarian or vegan, obviously. They're plant-based options, excellent for those that are following that diet and don't want to include animal products. Um, They can provide essential amino acids for recovery without that need of of animal products. So you want to make sure it has all the amino acids in it. Um, And it's digestive friendly. Some people actually find that plant-based protein shakes are easier on their digestive system compared to dairy-based options. So if you're someone that tends to find that having protein powders and things like that cause some bloating or gassing, you can try doing um, a plant-based option and see if that feels better. The only thing is that some plant-based options um, don't have the best texture or the taste is kind of off. So you might have to mix it in a smoothie instead of just mixing it with water. Um, coach Corinne and I did a plant-based protein podcast not that long ago where we talked about some of her favorite brands. So you can check that out if you want specific ideas for that. And then last but not least, collagen protein. Um, it's great for gin, gin. Oh my goodness. I don't even like gin. It's gross. Um, (laughs) joint and skin support. So collagen protein is known for its potential benefits of joint health and skin elasticity, um, which can be, again, helpful for women during perimenopause and menopause. However, there's a lot of studies that show if you are low in protein, if you just up your protein intake in general, that those things will also improve. Collagen tends to be a little bit more expensive. Um, so honestly, I would, I personally would rather save my money, um, and just go for a regular protein powder. Collagen is typically like, um, marketed towards women. So that tends to be a little bit more expensive. So if you can, and you want to, you can go ahead and save your money there. There is some evidence to support that collagen can support gut health, um, to help with like nutrient absorption and like well-being. So there is that benefit there as well. Um, but again, not, not completely necessary. I would rather opt in for the other protein powders first myself before hopping into collagen. So to recap, I hope that this all made sense. I feel like I was kind of repetitive. So hopefully I hit home the really important things for you guys. But understanding that pre and post-workout nutrition is so important during perimenopause and menopause. It really helps with cortisol. It helps really maximize the changes that you'll see in the gym to get the most out of your workouts, the best results. You're going to spend an hour in a gym, for example. Wouldn't you want to get the best results in that hour that you can? Pre and post-workout nutrition is going to help with that. It's also going to help with your hormones um, overall, which is going to help you with your health and fitness journey as well. Um, Again, if you want that guide, we have a It goes over, again, brief bullet points of things and then shows you if you're eating one to two hours before a workout, three hours before a workout, or one hour post, one plus hour post, 
what those kind of snacks and meals can look like with some examples. So if you want that, just message me on Facebook or Instagram. I am happy to send that over. Absolutely. No questions asked. Um, and then also if you found this helpful and you know, friends who are fasting before they're working out, or you have friends that aren't eating post-workout, please share this podcast episode. As you know, we don't run any ads or anything like that. So the only way that we get to reach more women is by you sharing this information. So if you can share it on Instagram or Facebook or send it to a friend, um, tag me in it and I'll share you on the socials. Um, we really appreciate it. I hope you found this helpful. Have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.